The thing I just sent you is a digital copy for Paranoia Agent. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I was like, Funimation. You're like, I hope it's Dragon Ball Z. Do you have your phone near you? Can you take a look at that picture I sent you yesterday? Because I think we could make the opening of this show a, a story of three pictures. Okay, I got to pull that. Anything in, in these VHSs that you, you think you might want? I mean, double impact. Yeah, is is that it? That's 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 the that's the work right there, you know. That one set aside for you. No one else uh, claimed that one. Crossroads would also be funny. I'm just wondering how you got it. These dude, these are all her mother's, like father's VHSs. So I assume some of them were for the kids. Some of them were for were for him because it's a very odd eclectic little mix. I'm intrigued by Maverick, although it is a Mel Gibson joint. Low-key, maybe Richard Donner's most fun movie. Oh, it's a Donner joint. Uh, yeah, I own Maverick on DVD. It's a great movie. Interesting. Footloose, Ob. Flashdance, Ob. I do like that he has two seminal dance movies of the 80s. What's that one on the far right? Zathura? That was like an early... John Favreau movie. Really? Yeah, I think Jumanji in space. Oh. Oh no. Oh no. And also the, the Clint Eastwoods. Are there multiple Clint Eastwoods on there? Heartbreak Ridge and Bloodwork, baby. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, so if I'm looking at this correctly, Aliens, Bloodwork, Crossroads, Double Impact. Flashdance yeah. and Footloose, Heartbreak Ridge, Maverick. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, yeah. I'll um I'll let you know what the shipping is, and we'll send those up to you as quick as I can. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Well, I have I a VHS s- for you, too, and I, I've been meaning to send it, but I, whatever. I, I don't have a VHS. <laughs> I know you don't have a VHS player. It's for the kitsch value, Ben. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I mean, like, I'll get one if needs be, but... Well, we said this was a story of three pictures, and you've got your phone on you. I'm going to send you the last one right now. We sent you the one with the Funimation. We sent you all the VHSs. This is the third one. This is something that's sitting in my house right now. Oh, no. What, you think you're better than me? Yeah, yeah. I'm the better Chloe Zhao fan because I, because I support her. You think you're better than me because you, I support you her own a Lobber DVD? Let me, let me tell you something. I am there when she is succeeding, and I am there when she is failing. I am the number one Chloe Zhao fan. You're going to work me into a shoot so that I watch fucking Eternals, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's basically that's, been the goal the whole time. I hate this so much. She's like, why are you doing this again? I was like, he's put you and I through a lot of shit at moments in terms of movies that you and I have questioned. And she goes... You know, three hours would be a decent punishment for him to have to watch Eternals. I said, it really would, wouldn't it? And she goes, that means we would have to watch it again. So I said, trust me, I've already reconciled with that. I'll do it on my own. You don't have to watch it again. So I'll say this. I kind of know the way I want to do it, but I'm not sure. Maybe if you'll just concede and be like, okay, we'll do Eternals and just get it out of the way. It's like a Band-Aid. One motion right off. You'll be fine. <laughs> I don't even I don't even have anything clever to come back to that. I just just fuck 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 up fuck off uh, fuck out of here.
I mean, I won't lie to you. I got so happy when all three of them showed up in the mail on the same day because I already had Nomadland. And I was like, oh, I know what picture I'm taking of you. Oh, it was great. Yeah, send that VHS along with, what do you call it? With all the other stuff, yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's Still working on it. You know, slowly made the, the wrapping paper on it. No, you don't even have to wrap them. End of your Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from the courts of Los Angeles to the courts of New York. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. How are you, my friend? I'm good. That's good. That's real good. I haven't had any good my coffee. Good. I, should probably, I should probably have some of my coffee. Have a big drink of coffee and then tell us what the best thing you saw this week was. best thing I saw this week was... A little feature, the third feature from Dennis Hopper, not Easy Rider, not the last movie, no, the 1980 joint, Out of the Blue. It's a movie that has an interesting backstory. It was originally supposed to be a coming-of-age story about a young girl and, like, a psychiatrist, kind of, I don't know if I want to say, like, was it Antoine Fisher? Is that the name of that movie? The Gus Van Sant. No, no. Antoine Fisher was Denzel Washington as directing. That's right. What's the Gus Van Zandt? Goodwill Hunting? No, 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 no. The You're the Man Now dog movie. Oh, Finding Forrester. Finding Forrester. Kind of like a mentorship, someone who could go off the track, getting put back on the track the right way type movie. The studio saw the footage that had been filmed. Dennis Hopper was... I think the dad in that movie and the studio saw what had been filmed and they were like, shit, can it fuck it, dump it. It's trash garbage. And Dennis Hopper persuaded the financiers, the producers, Hey, give me the weekend. I'll rewrite the script completely. And we'll start shooting on Monday if, if you like it. So he did that and made one of the bleakest, nihilistic visions of the future and of punk music starring our old friend linda mans from days of heaven and it's great i saw it in a packed like fully packed like every seat had a person in it auditorium at hollywood theater and it was a fucking bummer (laughs) it's the type of movie where it ends Everybody takes a deep breath and goes, Jesus Christ, and we all sort of leave in silence. It's great, though. It's great. One of one of the, just like a primal cry about, like, punk music and the nihilism and the end of the 60s. And Dennis Hopper is just the fucking scariest motherfucker in the world in this movie. And... It's a movie that kind of fell through the cracks when it came out, was sort of a cult on the fringes movie, and then it's finally getting a wide release. 
on a brand new 4K restoration that was crowdfunded not too long ago. So, yeah, everybody check out Out of the Blue. Trigger warnings for, like, pretty much everything. Good movie. I mean, I'll say this. I think it has an amazing tagline, which I really appreciate, which is, she's 15. The only adult she admires is Johnny Rotten. The thing that makes me incredibly suspicious of this movie is this. You have three reviews at the top of the poster. Out of the Blue has raw energy and life to it that most films this year seem to be lacking. A harrowing drama I admire very much. Roger Ebert, the Chicago Sun-Times. No problems there. A movie of rude, rough vitality, extraordinarily well acted by Dennis Hopper and Linda Manns. Vincent Canaby, the New York Times. No problem here. This film is a masterpiece. Jack Nicholson. I'm aware that you two are friends, Hopper. What 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 did you just like show it to him one day? And he's like, ah, that's a masterpiece. He's like, oh, I got that quote down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slap that one right in the center, too. Nobody knows those other two fucks, but you see Nicholson's name. You're like, oh, well, Nicholson liked it. Ooh, Nicholson. It's so strange, Hopper's career, because like. As a director, especially. Yeah, because like I don't particularly like Easy Rider. I respect it. I respect it as this like very experimental film that somehow caught fire when it came out and became like this huge thing. I haven't seen the last movie, so I can't really, but I, I can speculate that it, it feels like the type of movie where someone has a little bit of an ego. And then like this, but then he does Colors. He does Colors in 88, yeah. Which from what I hear is a fine, but like kind of dated police procedural. I've heard dated, but I've heard it's still amazingly well acted. I think he's a great actor's director. Well, he peaked in 90 is the problem. Uh, yeah, he, he does Catch Fire and The Hot Spot. And then I think he does like one other movie and that's it. He does Chasers in 94, which is, I think, the is the lowest ranked movie that he did. It's a movie that I yeah. like does not even really exist. Like it just <laughs> it's just it's it's somewhere in the ether. Oh, Tom Berger. Yeah, no, this like this almost uh, this poster almost looks fake. Weird. It's got Crispin Glover in it. Weird. Well, there you go. Interesting. Yeah. Well, sorry. Catch Fire is still my favorite Dennis Hopper movie. I don't care what anyone says or backtrack depending on which version I watch. It's favorite for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, but it's like it's so odd that it kind of works. Now, granted, I haven't seen Colors and it's been a million years since I've seen Easy Rider. And like I said, I kind of feel the same way you do about Easy Rider, where it's like, I respect that Easy Rider opened up a whole genre and like a whole industry of movie making, but it does not make it the perfect movie that all of you people from the 60s want to jerk off and seem to think that it is. I think it's interesting. I think it is definitely of its era. It is also fucking boring. It is and I was pretty like, damn boring. I respect Hopper and I respect Fonda for like tapping into something in that moment. Maybe I need to smoke more weed the next time I watch it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'll tell you what movie I would have wished I would have smoked a little less weed for. And I promised you we'd do this and I, it was going to be determined whether it was going to be the best thing I saw this week or the most captivating. And it edged out one or two other things just barely, but I watched House. House. Dude, House is a lot of fun. House is great. Yeah, like, you can totally see the same style that that guy uses 
like nearly 40 years later when he does Labyrinth of Cinema. He's got that same kind of like almost he's almost got like the mentality of like a playful imp. What I love about that movie is you see techniques that he would use throughout his entire career. Like you see the blue Mm -hmm. screen and, you know, in this most recent movie, he's using like a ton of green screen. Yeah. Yeah. That movie's crazy because it's just like I want to know how they did all of those FX. Like, I want to know how they did them. I mean, I think they probably, for the head sequence, like, either wrapped a girl in blue stuff and then edited her body out and just moved the head around. Or, yeah, I don't know. It's weird, too. It's a movie, too, where there are moments where you're like, this is genuinely kind of creepy, but then it's completely subverted by, like, humor. It's like a kid's movie, which I think is, like... the weirdest part. Makes it so strange, is it's just, like... It's also what made it really popular is, like, kids just went to see it all the time. That's such a weird, like, flex for him to be like, yeah, I made this, like, horror movie that, like, children love. What's so funny is he made a movie in the 60s called Emotion, which is, like, an experimental art film. It was a huge hit on Japan- in Japanese universities of the time, and so... You know, people would bought like 16 millimeter copies of the movie and played it for their friends in in college. And then 10 years later, when he was trying to finance that movie, he'd written a script, but he wasn't a director in the Toho system. And all the directors were like, this is really fucking weird. I don't want to make that <laughs> kind of rightfully just like, what is this? <laughs> and so what he did is he printed up business cards with his name that said director of house and he gave them out and started using connections to make like little like spin-offs for the for the for like little tie-ins to the movie before the movie had ever been made so there was like a manga that huh. came out there was a hit record that came out um, there's a couple other things. So he and was so, almost creating his own little universe for it before people were doing that. Exactly. Before it even came out, everybody was like, all of the people in who were in college when Emotion came out, they're like, do you know the guy that directed Emotion? Yeah, he wants to. He 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 wants to make another movie. Wants to make a feature film, and he kind of got the word of mouth out that way and toho was just like fucking fine we'll let you direct the movie so he's just sitting at home one day just having some tea and he just gets a phone call he goes yeah who's this and he goes it's the head of toho you satisfied now i said a bunch of students pelt me with eggs when i came in yelling make make more of those movies are, are you pleased with yourself sir are you pleased he goes kind of yeah so are we gonna do it? he goes yeah we'll do it i don't want to hear about it anymore sick of it oh uh, Poor bastard. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah, no, House is House is so much fun. I could do, I think I could do an entire episode on House and just how that movie kind of like, it's weird too, because like, it, it does all the things a horror movie does, but like, it's so infinitely watchable and in how funny it is too. Like, when they get to the melon guy, I'm like, motherfucking Harbinger is telling you not to go. Don't go, idiots. Like, what are you doing? And you know that cat's an evil from the minute you see it. My favorite thing is that the cat's name in Japanese is just White Cat. But for whatever reason, they decided to translate the name as Blanche. I know, Blanche is a funny name for that cat. And it's, it's a, whoever came up with that, that's really funny, but that's not what his name is. No, not at all. 
The two movies it beat out talking just barely were two or three things I know about her and Smooth Talk. Ooh, Smooth Talk. Have you seen Smooth Talk? Yeah. That movie is aching to be remade right now. Yeah, the Criterion fucking... Yeah, based uh, on the Joyce Carol Oates short, not, short story. Yeah, Doc, I brought it up years ago. It was no, I know, no, I, I know you did. No, I know, no, I know you did. I'm just, I'm just clarifying. I'm just clarifying what you're saying for the audience. No, I know you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. No, anytime I do that, that's for them. That's for the the unwashed masses who haven't bothered subscribe to the Criterion Channel or have a lucky enough friend who subscribes to the Criterion Channel and doesn't care to give them the password. I mean, like, I'm not going to say who's who in the situation, but. There we are. Wait a minute. I think you'll learn... figure out the last criterion. Okay. All right. Everybody, stop whispering. Are you ready to step on the court? I am ready to step on the court. Dope. Well, our first movie takes us to 1992. And you certainly can tell that by two things. The attitudes of people and the fashion. And the first movie stars Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson who are both on fire as a couple of hustlers on the court of life. An insanely of its time yet crazy relevant movie about race and friendship between men in sports is perfectly captured by Ron Shelton. It also features an all-time great supporting turn by Rosie Perez that goes down as one of the best things she has ever done outside of Do the Right Thing. This is the 1992 movie starring Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, Rosie Perez. This is Ron Shelton's White Men Can't Jump. Black man wants to look good first, win second. That is the yes. most ridiculous yes. piece of philosophical bullshit I have ever heard. Look, look right over here. Right over here. There's a goal right there. Get your money, get the ball, let's go. Quoting myself, that's absolute garbage. Tired of your shit. Yeah, I'm tired of your shit too. Talking all that crap. Bunch of crap. Why don't you just put your money where your mouth is, huh? Just need three tries. Are you sure? That's all you need? Yeah. All right, let's go. <laughs> One of us definitely not going home tonight. Man, you were almost there. Almost there, Billy. I was with you on that one. Damn. Come on, baby. You can do this. You're a sucker, man. Is this shit regulation? This shit ain't regulation. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Regulation? Yo, move, move out the way, man. I'll check it for you. Move. Move out the way. That's about right. Let's go, baby. You can do it. Come on, I believe in you. I have faith. I know what the problem is. Come on. Come on. Get out of the fucking way. Get out the way, man. Yo, man, I'm just trying to help, man. Sydney's a bet. All right. It's your money. Go. Oh, fuck me! Mm. 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 You know, Billy, when I was looking at it before, I thought it was a little high myself, man. But after reevaluating, see, I think it was just like a, an optical illusion and shit, right? Yo, I know what the problem is. I can't let you go out like that, man. Get the fuck off me, man. Nah, man, I'll pump you up, man. Get the fuck off! Come on, man, you need all the help. Jenny, you can get. it's a bet, man. I know it. Stop fucking around. Billy. Shut up, man. Billy. Shut up! Billy, listen to me. What? White men can't jump. Shit! 
I gotta tell you, dude, it's been about five years since I watched White Man Can't Jump. That movie continues to hold up as one of the funniest sports movies of all time. It was good. It's definitely of its time, and it's a little long, but it's really good. I hadn't seen it since, since I don't know, since I caught it on like the movie channel one night. I remember it was just like it was on something, and I was just like, hell yeah, let's watch it this month, and. I don't know why, but I guess I think I thought it was going to be like less serious. And it was definitely, I was like, oh, this is like actually like a drama and not just like about a white dude who can't play basketball, which is what I, I don't know. That's like what I thought the movie was. Sheldon kind of subverts your expectation there because you're right. You think it's going to be about a movie about a guy teaching another guy how to play basketball. But no, Woody Harrelson's character is actually really good. Not just Uh, that, I think he might be better than Wesley Snipes at basketball in real life. I think in real life, yes. Because Woody Harrelson did play basketball, if I remember correctly. He played like a little bit of college ball. There is a set story where he was bragging to Bob Lanier, former Detroit Pistons center, one of the angriest men of all time, that he was a great player in college. And then Lanier, who was retired at the time, was like, hey, do you want to play a little bit of one-on-one? And Harrelson later described it as the most embarrassing 15 minutes of his life. So... (laughs) You know, too, I was going to bring this up in the very beginning of the show, and who knows, maybe we'll maybe we'll cut back into it. But I've just got to ask this question. And, you know, it's funny. I almost asked you something very similar to this about a year ago about Robert Duvall. Are we an all Wesley Snipes and Denzel Washington podcast now? Because I'd just like to know. We could be. I mean, popped into VHS for Stigmata a little while ago, and it had a trailer for the movie Chill Factor. You're a chill factor. I don't know that. I don't know this movie. Oh my god! What if? Why can't I fucking find it right now? It. I know for a fact that it is a Wesley Snipes movie. Oh no! It's sure Cuba Gooding Jr. Never mind. I am a racist. No, Cuba Gooding Jr. Skeet Ulrich. That's a movie we gotta do sometime. Never mind. Ignore me. Ignore <laughs> me. We'll bring it up on our on our Wesley Snipes Denzel Washington episode as an episode of people who are not as good as Wesley Snipes and Denzel Washington, oh. Cuba Gooding Jr. It'll double with Boat Trip. Well, anyway, do you know what Chill Factor is about? No idea. That's hilarious. It's like a speed if speed took place in the back of a ice cream truck. That sounds fucking terrible. Oh, it's amazing. Skeet Ulrich is there. Cuba Gooding Jr. is there. Skeet Ulrich had a, had a movie out this year. Yep, it's called Scream. Yes. <laughs> He's not in that much, but boy, is he there. He pops up. Yes, yes, he does. Let's talk about Ron Shelton real quick before we get into what White Men Can't Jump is about. This guy's kind of the king of the sports movie. Yeah, I mean, he directed maybe the greatest baseball movie of all time. Both of fucking great. I am so annoyed by that movie the first time I saw it. Have you seen it recently? I'm going to try it again. I also think, too, it's just that I think that, like, Tim Robbins does not make me believe he could be a pitcher. Yeah. I think that's kind of the highlight of that movie. Hmm. Okay. Secretly. I mean, yeah, you're right. 88, he does Bull Durham. 92, he does White Man Can't Jump. 96, he does Tin Cup. And then 99, he does Play It to the Bone. I'll say this. I, I I know a lot of people don't like Play It to the Bone. I kind of enjoy Play It to the Bone. I have never seen Play It to the Bone. It's a road trip movie that ends in a boxing match in Vegas. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Harrelson and Antonio Banderas are longtime friends who are both told that they are going to be able to fight in the undercard match in this fight in Vegas, and the winner will get a title shot later on. So both of them live together. So they both drive with, I think, I want to say it's Renee Russo. No, Lolita Davidovich. I don't know how you say that Lolita Davidovich, who is married to the director, Ron Sheldon. That would make sense now. That would make sense as to why that's why that's going on. They all drive to Vegas together, and I believe she dated both of the boxers in the movie, as is the plot. So that's kind of the movie you're running with. It's not amazing by any stretch, but like it actually is like kind of a fun movie. Like especially like anytime Harrelson and Banderas are just kind of like competing against each other in anything, it's very funny. Robert Wagner is there, so that was immediately I'm taking away a star. This gets my lowest rating ever. Four stars. Where is Harrelson at in his career for, for White Man Can't Jump? At this point in his career, I think Harrelson is on the upswing. I do say so myself. Actually, I think you could argue this is the start of the run. I think this is the start of the run. Indecent Proposal, which I thought was before this movie. Have you seen Indecent Proposal recently? Y- yeah, that movie don't hold up. That movie's incredible. It's incredible, <laughs> but it's like it's incredible it exists. Such a 90s premise where it's like, would you let your wife sleep with a man for $10 million? It's like, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I almost want to remake that movie, but like, don't have a classy name like Indecent Proposal. Just call it Cuck. But like, it also t- turns out the whole, like the last five minutes of that movie is like she sleeps. Because I can't, I don't think Demi Moore actually sleeps with him, right? I don't remember. I can't remember, honestly. I think it's ambiguous. I mean, I'll say this. I, what I would do is I would have it end with him, like her coming up to him and the two walk away together. And then you, you just have him turn around and wink at the camera. And then you do like another 15 minutes of like an Ocean's Eleven scene where it actually was all set up for them to get this guy's money. But it's like super elaborate. And the last thing you see right as they're about to go to bed together is you just see Woody Harrelson's character in the closet watching and you just see him put on a pair of sunglasses. He goes, I was into it the whole time. And then it just goes to black. I would make it a lot funnier in the last 15 minutes. That's that's how I would fix it. If I remember correctly, Indecent Proposal's third act is like really dumb and messy. Anyway, Harrelson's good in it. It's not a very good movie. And then he does Natural Born Killers, which we've talked about. Oh boy, the absolutely terrible I'll Do Anything. Have you heard of that movie? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. James Will Brooks made two movies. There's originally, I believe, I can't remember if it's I'll Do Anything, but there's originally like a musical cut. It was supposed to be like a big family musical written with music featuring songs from Carol King, Prince, and Sinead O'Connor. Apparently that cut was so disastrous that he shot some extra stuff and edited all of that out and made it just like a more traditional film it is a huge flop and i think is like the demarcation point when james brooks career kind of went uh, a little haywire that's that's his north huh kind of i mean he does as good as it gets but after that it's spanglish which is i've seen a movie. it i've seen it that is definitely a movie and how do you know which is not good I'll say it too. I'm sad I wasn't writing for like a professional column at that point because I would have had such a good line for the column. But like, how do you know when your career is over, James L. Brooks? 
dot, dot, dot. Well, you make, how do you know? I'll say this, though. I'll do anything does not slow down the Woodman because he does natural born killers. He does money train. He does kingpin. He gets nominated for the people versus Larry Flint. He does wag the dog and continually works and is pretty much one of the better things in most movies like that he does up until I mean, still till now. I mean, he continues to work. He's in She Hate Me, obviously. Yeah, he's in he's in stuff. I mean, No Country for Old Men. Zombieland. Zombieland. I know you're not a fan of it, but Seven Psychopaths, he's really good. And he's great in Out, Out of the Furnace. You know, he just he he smokes weed and pops up in a movie, you know, it's good. He's, he's kind of reliable. Now, granted, <laughs> you could call Woody Harrelson's career like simmering at best here, whereas the other gentleman in our movie and when we get to talking about what it's about is probably the guy who mo- maybe steals most of this movie. Wesley Snipes is on fire at this point. Wesley Snipes, I think this is the point in his career where it's like, oh, it is Wesley Snipes leading man, capital fucking L because the run right before this is Willie Mays Hayes in Major League, King of New York, where he plays Thomas Flanagan, Mo Better Blues, New Jack City, Jungle Fever, The Water Dance, White Man Can't Jump. And then he does Passenger 57. He does Rising Sun. He does the criminally underrated Demolition Man. Who underrates that? (laughs) I, I've heard people I've heard people who just don't know about Demolition Man and I'm like, you you just you don't you don't know what you're talking about. Like fucking insane movie. Demolition Man's incredible. Like I would do if you asked me right now, can we stop and go watch Demolition Man and then we'll come back and talk about Demolition Man? I'm like, yeah, let's do it right now. We'll get to He Got Game in a little bit. And he also does two Wong Fu Thanks for Everything, Julian Newmar. Like and I mean shit, he does the fan. And I'll say this, he's one of those guys I wish hadn't gone away. Kind of as much as he did. And let's be honest, he hasn't even done Blade yet. Like, he's he's about to be, like, come an icon in, like, another genre of film. Like, even, like, a couple decades later. Yeah, I mean, he's still around to this day. I mean, he, he popped up in what, what we do in the shadows, where he played kind of like a thinly version That's, that's right, he did. Um, you know, ever since he got out of prison, he's popped up in The Expendables and Chirac and... The new coming to America. You know, he's he's working. Yeah. So, Dol- Dolomite is my name as well. Just remember to pay all your taxes. Yeah, exactly. Man, please. We love you. Yeah. I want Wesley, to see you not behind bars. Yeah, Wesley, stick around. We we enjoy your antics. I wanna see Money Train. Cause what the cause what is that? I don't know. I've heard I've heard of it too, but I, I don't know. Cause they, they sold it on the back of them essentially being in this movie yeah i mean that's that's like, i it, mean that's that's the way to do it it's three years after white man can't jump the tagline is get on the fast track bad tagline and it's wesley woody money train you know and i'm i'm gonna guess that woody and wesley are probably like i'm gonna say each of them is probably like maybe five eight five nine would you agree mm-hmm both of them look like they are being towered over by the five foot one terror that is Rosie Perez. This is maybe my favorite Rosie Perez performance. She's great. I I think Woody might actually be taller. I've heard that Woody Harrelson's tall. He's like he's just like deceptively tall. Yeah, I mean he he played college basketball, so like that's true. But man, Rosie Perez, who was the third people, not as, not as tall as the two actors in our next film. No, no, very true. Those people are much taller. 
No, 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 no. That was much, much taller. But yeah, like Perez, I mean, this is, I mean, she she pops up and do the right thing, which is kind of her breakout. I mean, even though she's not in it much and she kind of doesn't do a, uh, do a bunch until like about 91 where she does Night on Earth. And then 92 is this. And man, after this, you're just like, damn, damn, Rosie Perez being more stuff. Rosie Perez is the type of person where, like, if she popped up in a movie now, I would, you would literally hear me go, like, oh, my God, in the movie theater. And then everybody would be like, shh. And you'd be like, I will not be quiet about Rosie Perez. Get your hands off me. I will not be silenced. Okay, let's get into this movie. This movie is about basketball hustling. A thing I didn't know existed. I mean, I knew it existed. I knew people, like, would play games for money, but I guess I didn't know that you could do it kind of the way you did with pool, where it's like you'll act the fool for a certain amount until they give you the ball. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, I I guess it made sense, but this movie really is like, oh, no, no, like, this is a scene, like, there are legends in this scene, and there are people who, who just know it really well. And I was just like... Oh, I mean, it's also a movie where they will proceed to stop a game in the middle of the game and just insult each other for 10 minutes. That is just bananas to me. The trash talk, it's I would say it's one of the few instances where like the trash talk feels at least sort of real. You know, sometimes you'll hear trash talk and you're just like, oh, OK, that, who 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 sat there and was like. What about this? <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's like four guys in a room being like, "What about this?" No, no, no. What about this? <laughs> now this feels organic. No, yeah this this feels much more like it was come up at the spot. Like like even if it wasn't, and I know it probably wasn't, it feels like things. It it gives character to the characters, obviously, but it adds like a level of depth to who they are. Where it's like one guy is constantly ragging on the other one's mama. And like you're like, okay, so there's like maybe some like insecurity there and an interesting way to like develop the characters that that kind of play to the side of Wesley Snipes in this movie. Speaking of which, by the way, your mother's an astronaut. What do you fucking say about my mother? I like that that's the one that gets them upset. What I really do. Fucking... Uh, what I do, do love that that's, that's the one. That's the one that just truly drives them all into a rage. It's like, don't you call my mother an astronaut? It's like, why is that an insult? Who knows? It also gives them like a depth and a life beyond what we see. So feels like these guys have been hanging out on this court for years for decades oh, yeah. you know like they all know each other like they grew up with each other and stuff like that and so like they know how to get onto each other's nerves like immediately you're not wrong i mean that's that's exactly what it feels like it feels like they're just like like they know how to work each other's nerves to that last end like i said this is this is a movie about hustling basketball and like woody harrell you could argue woody harrelson and Wesley Snipes are the two best at it and it's it's kind of a movie where like when the two best kind of meet each other like you're kind of in this world where it's like well what now I guess it's what happens when the unstoppable force meets the immovable object Mm -hmm. but I mean man like they have such good chemistry together it's it's weird to say that's why when it's when I saw Money Train I was like 
Yeah, I would watch another movie with those two. You're like, sure, why not? Why not? Why yeah, wouldn't? What am I? What am I doing? Nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing going on. Rest of my but, day sorted. Exactly. So what else do we talk about in terms of the plot of this movie? I mean, like, I'm trying to think um, here. It's basically a movie. It has the structure of a western. A guy comes into town, tries to make money, running from debts. I mean, maybe not like a fully a western, but like oh, I don't know. Like, right. guy comes into town, makes some acquaintances, makes some money, has some problems, some things kind of go awry. Guy, I don't kind, you know, kind of changes a little bit. Bad things happen, but like I think the thing, I think what makes this movie so interesting is that the guy kind of doesn't really change <laughs> no woody's character is like despite all of his skills and bravado is a fuck up and continues to be a fuck up and almost can't help it yeah because like i mean he's a gambler like that's that's what it comes down to that's the other part of this movie so woody harrelson's character owes money to the statucci's that's it. yeah the statucci brothers and they've been hunting him since i think do we know where he's from originally new york or new jersey he says he played basketball at Louisiana. You know, you're right. You do see a Louisiana license plate on the Statucci's car when they pull away at the end. So I think they're New Orleans based. How did they find him? It, it was the 90s. You could literally still just like kill somebody and just move away to another town. It's a movie, Ben. I don't know. I guess that's true. I guess that's very, very true. <laughs> You know, you're being a little dick right now. You're being, being a real horse's ass. It's a movie, Ben. Shut up! <laughs> you can fucking ask me questions like that. I, I will, I will be, I will be a little snot-nosed about oh, it. Oh, I know. Oh, I heard it. Trust me. Trust me. There's no mistaking what you were doing, young man. I, I heard it. But yeah, he starts like hustling on this court, and he beats Wesley Snipes' character like straight up, and says like. You might be like the man on this court. He goes, but you just got made the chump by the whitest guy here. Exactly. And like the biggest, whitest, dorkiest guy here. And like he kind of like Wesley kind of uses him back and like and kind of hustles him back the same way and gets the money back. But then the two kind of come together and start like trying to make real money together. All at the same time, Rosie Perez, Woody Harrelson's girlfriend, is attempting to get on Jeopardy, which I got to tell you, the first time I saw this movie, I thought to myself, I'm like, what a weird, dumb subplot to throw in here. But when they pay it off, you are just fucking howling in your seat. It's great. It's so fucking smart. It just works so well, in my opinion. Yeah. And also, Rosie Perez, you think it's just going to be like, oh, Rosie Perez is like kind of the dumb broad, so to speak, of this movie, where she's kind of like, the nagging girlfriend, the like stereotypical, like really shitty nineties caricature of like nagging girlfriend who's like mm -hmm. ethnic and spicy and I was just like I was kinda like, eh, I was kinda over it halfway through. But then it's like, no, she's fucking smart. She's like really smart. She's the only character in this movie that like like understands the bigger picture and is like, You're such a fucking idiot, Billy. Like what are you doing? And I think that that's like I think that's really an interesting choice for this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, they could have easily made her, like, gone the way you said and just been like, no, she's like, I mean, like, wait till 
wait till we put that scene where she has like a thing of fruit on her head and like we just completely stereotype her out or something but it's like no like she's actually very smart and she is the only one who's like you gotta like stop fucking around dude like we we have to build a life here we owe money to these people who will kill us they will fucking kill you i think her being like able to like spout like philosophy and all that stuff i don't know i i I find her character to be one of the most interesting characters in this movie personally agreed completely agree let me ask you this what is your favorite scene in the movie my favorite scene i really like the intro i think i think i really like that first scene where they're all like jaw jacking and we're like harrelson hustles wesley because it's a really long scene like it's it it's it's like 15 minutes yeah it introduces so many people and so many different like characters into it and it works really well if i had to make a a, to say a second scene it would be the uh, basketball tournament basketball tournament's good i do like the basketball tournament i think the jeopardy stuff is very funny movie Mm -hmm. falls a little apart at the end for me like a little bit it kind of just comes a little unraveled it almost feels like somebody told him this movie had to be like an hour 50 and he's like, I got like an hour 35 and they're like, well, add 15 minutes in if you can. And he's like, uh, I don't know about all that, but I'll say like, that's the only part that kind of falls apart for me a little bit. I will say though, I think one of the funniest moments in the movie is where it's the second time they play basketball and Woody gets hustled by Wesley and the one guy goes and gets a gun out of his car and then goes and proceeds to try to rob a place to get the rest of the money he needs to play this tournament against them. And then like ends up like actually negotiating with the guy who owns the store and sells him the gun for an extra like $200. The fucking him being like, no, you need it for protection is hilarious. There's a lot of crazy people out here. Crazier than me. I will say the movie is interesting because it has this air of grit, but then it like never, I think purposely like never pays set off. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think even the like joke at the end where they have spoilers, but they have uh, after Harrelson's paid off his debt, the two gangsters have him like pose uh, with like ketchup on his mouth (laughs) is like, it like really cheapens a lot of the the chase between them and like kind of like the dramatic tension but it is also just very funny i'll be honest though it had been it'd been about five years since i'd seen this and i'd forgotten about that joke and they just hard cut to woody there and i was like fuck do they kill woody harrelson at the end of this movie and then like you see them taking the picture he goes okay that's enough and then woody gets up i'm like all right these two make everyone do this so they look tough I forgot about this. Oh, that was great. <laughs> the like line about like, oh, we can we can finally go back. It's just <laughs> well, because they're I annoyed too. Yeah, like they're just like, no, get us the money. We don't want to be here. We hate it here. Oh God, that's right. Yeah, it's a movie that you're right. It does kind of subvert expectations, and like by the end of it, like I mean, like Gloria leaves. Like you're not sure if like Gloria is gonna like is gonna be around. You, there's no chance. I mean, he wants to get her back, but like she's gone. Yeah, she's gone. I think it's the type of movie where just like in the '90s, you could just have kind of like a a messy ending where it's like, yeah, Rosie Perez left, but like these two are friends, and Wesley's gonna help him get his life on track, and and they're here playing basketball. It is a it is a real buddy comedy, isn't it? It is. It is. Actually, you know, to go back to your Western thing, 
I almost think it's a buddy cop movie without being cops because they don't like each other at the first. Good movie. It is. It is a really good movie. It's it's got a lot going for it. That's I I mean, like, it's weird to say, like, we haven't really talked about what it's about, but it's like this movie is almost one of those. It's a rare example, too, because you don't have this all that much. It's one of those rare movies where you kind of have to watch the movie to appreciate how good it is because it's a movie all about movement. Yes. The way uh, it's also I think it's like, well, you're right. It is a movie about movement. It's a movie about like interactions and kind of the power plays between people. There is an actress I do want to bring up really quick. Tyra Farrell. She plays Wesley's wife. She plays Wesley's wife, who I think it's interesting is like at the time. Kind of like a (laughs) professional like mom. In movies, um, or? In movies, yeah. Because, like, this is right after Boys in the Hood, where she is the same, like, basically the same age as Ice Cube and is playing, I think, his mother. Does she play, is that Doughboy's mom? I believe so, yeah. Wow, that's wild. I did not know that. She's also in Poetic Justice, where she plays Jessie. I don't know if you remember her from Poetic Justice. Is she the one who runs the nail and hair shop? Yes, who I think is that also is her. a mom Holy in that shit. movie. Yes, that's um, true. Also a mom. I don't know who she plays in Jungle Fever, but I was like, God damn, she's playing a lot of mom roles. <laughs> she was Wesley Snipes' mom, actually. That's that's who she Yes, was. actually, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Anyway, I, I don't know. It was just something I noticed while I was watching it. I was like, oh, hey. You're like, look who it is. It's that mom. She's back. Back again. <laughs> Tell a friend. Interesting. Okay. She must be, you know what? She must be just one of those actresses who kind of, like, worked a shit ton during her time. I think so. I mean, it was just a period of time... She still works, like, a bunch of TV movies. You know, it appears that she works... She does, like, one TV movie a year. Um, I'm sure it pays the bills nicely. Yeah, I mean, you know, keep your keep your health insurance that way. But she's great in this. There's some familiar faces that kind of pop up. I believe we did a, we did a movie with this guy in it, right? Who's, who's that? Caden Hardison? I recognize Kaden his picture. Hardison. Let me see. Yeah. Kadeem Hardison as yes, Junior? I'm so sorry. I No, no, you're Kadeem Hardison. Hardison. These things. Oh, no, it's not a movie that we did together. It's a movie I watched. He plays K in Death by Temptation. Oh, wait, no. We did. That, wasn't that yes, movie on we, I was like, oh, motherfucker, was... we did that movie. It was on your best of the decade horror. It was number 10. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to everybody. I, I did. I did. I drank a lot last night, and I also did an edible. So you have my fun brain with your is friend, by the way. Huh? Yeah, I had a lot of fun. What's a karaoke? Oh, that's good. Sounds like a lot of fun. Like private karaoke. Oh, that's cool. What would you pair this with? I would pair this with. You know what? I'm going to take it a step further, just to kind of theme it. What sports movie would you pair this with? I was going to say I would probably pair this with Bull Durham. Oh, interesting. Because Bull Durham also, <laughs> not to be super me about it, also kind of a Western. Because it's about a guy's like last stand, you know, True. like the old old timey like guy trying to help like the youngster come up. I mean, it's not really a Western, but like, you know, it's got those old American themes of guy whose knees shot trying to help the, the young buck get back in, get out into the world, teach him something. That is true. That is very, very true. And so, 
yeah, I just kind of find that interesting a little bit. Those two movies kind of have similar themes. Interesting. Okay. I like that. No, I like that a lot. I was going to say Color of Money, but I actually like that even better. Color of Money, yeah, Color of Money would also work. I just think Bull Durham, you get the director, you know. So that's a double, that's a double you almost can't afford to pass up. Yeah, you know, no, I like that. Ron Shelton, man, he's he's a guy who only made like 13 movies so far, but like it's a weirdly, it's a weirdly interesting career. And it goes off the rails at one point. Yeah, I mean, what was his most recent movie? It was something with Morgan Freeman. I think it's called Going in Style. Ah, Just getting started. Just getting started. Going in Style is the Zach Braff remake of the 70s old man caper movie. I can't believe he did that. What a fucking weird thing. (laughs) I'm going to say right now, I don't want Zach Braff to do any more movies. He should stop it. <laughs> do the TV. You're fine at that. I don't mind. But just like, yeah, I don't think you have a, I don't think you have the right space to tell like a two hour story. He just, I don't know. He just, I don't, he's a bad director. Have you always thought that? Or is that? That's, I've always thought that. Did you not ever like Garden State? No. Good. You and I are both on the same train of like, yeah, Garden State is not as good as the rest of you little hipster douchebags think it is. I mean, I like people who like Garden State. It's whatever. Like, I'm not going to cast dispersions at anybody. But um, no, 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 no. Nothing like that. But it's like, don't build this up to be the second coming of Christ. Exactly. I just it's I'm also I'm just fucking tired, dude. Like, give me a leave me alone. Who would you recommend this movie to? Um, I'd recommend this movie to anybody who likes basketball movies and have maybe heard it, heard of it, and maybe doesn't know what it's about. Because I think it is the type of movie that you hear in jokes, you hear kind of like from this media of that time. Because it, it's a funny name. And so I think a lot of people will just say like oh look at this movie with the weird name and then never really investigate what it's about well here's my next um, question to you could they have made this movie with that title today uh, yes i think so think so i wonder i think so like because i almost think that movie is like it almost only works because like of when it's said it's such a polarizing title I think the phrase white man can't jump is fine. They bring it up in the movie. Like, he's like, yeah, you try and dunk. And, you know, the joke is like, white man can't jump. I mean, it's once again, motherfucker does not dunk. No, he only does it once. I think he does it once at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But even then it's just like, yeah, you got lucky, man. Like, don't let it get in your head like we barely pulled it off kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very interesting to think about that title as well. What do you give White Men Can't Jump? I give it a very solid four stars. Four, huh? Four I'm right there with you. Stars. Four stars. Moves us on from a movie that if you said you would recommend a movie to someone who likes basketball, I would say you got to recommend this movie to someone who loves basketball. 
And our next movie jumps us from 1992 to 1998. And it is the third collaboration between Spike Lee and Denzel Washington. It is Spike Lee's examination on the industry that is college basketball. Denzel Washington gives a lesser known but deeper character study as a father looking to recruit his son to obtain his own freedom. Deeply heartfelt with all the trimmings of early Spike contributions. This is the 1998 movie starring Denzel Washington, Ray Allen, Mila Jokovic, Rosario Dawson. He got game. Basketball is, is, is like poetry in motion. Just coming down the court, you got a defender in your way, you, you take him to the left, you take him back to the right, and he's falling back, and you just, Jay, right in his face. And then you look at him, and then you say, what? Tonight, our feature is about a biblical player as we follow a day in the life of Abraham Lincoln Sr., Jesus Shuttlesworth, the number one basketball prospect in the country, Jesus of Coney Island. Jesus is the best thing to happen to the game since the tennis shoe was invented. Does he just, uh, he makes you excited to watch? Jesus Shuttlesworth. He's the next phenom. He's awesome, baby, with a capital A. The guy's unbelievable. He's a PTV, a primetime player. He's the 3S man. Super scintillating sensational. He's a high riser. His game has got everything you need. He can defend, he can run, he can finish. He likes to play in the crowd. He makes people better. He's the real thing. He's able to do some of the things that most coaches talk about, and that is being able to be a triple threat. And that's something that we as coaches have used for many, many years. Pure shooter, fearsome defender, great player. The defender went for the ball, he brought it behind his back, he switched it back over to his right hand, went through his legs, the defender came up and kind of stutter stepped a little bit, pulled back and rained the three. And I was like, this kid might be ready for the big league. Plays to win, and a lot of people play to play. This guy plays to win. Well, I watched Kenny Anderson and Stefan Marbury, and I never thought I would see anybody better than those guys. But along came Jesus. What most impresses me about Jesus Shuttlesworth is the foresight of his parents to name him appropriately as the world's greatest. Jesus. 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 Oh, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. He got game. And I will say this. I had seen this movie probably 10 years ago. I completely forgot John Turturro was in this movie. When he popped up, it was full Leonardo DiCaprio just pointing at the screen. <laughs> I love when collaborators pop up for like a hot second in a different movie, and you're just like, ah, you too, oh, I know that guy. Uh, he was in the other movie. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this to you, so I'm just going to try to explain the scene before we actually go into what He Got Game is about. I put on the other day just I was because it's actually like it's not a comfort movie, but up until they burn the restaurant down in do the right thing. I think that movie is just kind of an enjoyable, chill movie to watch. There's a moment in that movie where the two sons of Danny, um, John Turturro and the other guy are talking in the back. And there's a moment in it where John Turturro is talking to his brother. He says, you can't trust these people. He goes, they will come up behind you and they will stab you with a spear like that. And he just goes, ah! It's the funniest moment John Turturro has ever delivered in a movie. I'm not kidding you. The way he does the sound, <laughs> I nearly fell off my bed laughing last night. Like, just because I had it on and I was just sitting there waiting for paint to dry as we were hanging out. It, I mean, it killed me. If he wasn't just such a virulent racist in the movie, oh, yeah. he would be very funny. 
I think it's one of the interesting touches of that movie where it's like, oh, yeah. no, you kind of you kind of like him a little bit. Oh yeah, like you know him and him and Mookie are friends. That's the worst part. Is like yeah. is like that there is a mutual respect there, but like also it's like there are some deep seated issues. Also, he hates what he does. Like like Pino is just unhappy in general. But this is not um, about do the right thing. It's about a different. No, movie. and I'll say this right now. I have only not seen one of the four collaborations between Denzel and Spike Lee. I'm here to tell you right, right now, and this is this is a bold statement I'm about to make. I think this might be the best performance he's gotten out of Denzel. <sighs> oh, I know Malcolm X exists, and I've seen that movie. I have yet to see Mo Better Blues. But, dude, this performance, there were moments in this movie where I was sitting there on Friday. I had Friday off, and I was just kind of sitting there watching this movie just kind of at my own leisure. And I was just like, damn. Like, Denzel is really killing it in this movie from, like, top to bottom. Denzel is really good in this. And I think it had to be Denzel. You know what I mean? Like, I genuinely don't believe this movie works if anybody else is in that role. Yeah, you're not wrong. Because it's a character that is just... He is sympathetic, However, he is in jail for murder. <laughs> I and forgot like not why entirely he went sure. to jail. You're not entirely sure if it's like a setup or if it's, you know, like an accidental murder. Like, they never really give you the details. And so you just kind of have to deal with the character being a murderer and also being sympathetic. Once they show it to you, you kind of see that I think it was probably an accident. But the whole time you're just like, oh, man, am I supposed to root for you? Because I'll say this, and I don't know if we're going to get to it this year. We might just save it for next year and just keep building the list. But I finally, on Friday as well, while I was doing this, completed the shitheel March Madness. We just now have to break it up into brackets. Hell yeah. And I got to tell you. I got to tell you, there is certainly one on on this on this film. <laughs> and it is anyone who isn't Jesus Shuttlesworth and he got game. Because <laughs> let's be honest, nobody is the good guy in this movie outside of Jesus Shuttlesworth. Because even Denzel, you're like, motherfucker, you trying to work him for an angle, too. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day. Yes. At the end of the day, he is kind of like, go wherever the fuck you want to go, man. Like, do this for you. Yeah, that's true. It's such a tough moment because you're just like, damn, dude, like, you want Denzel's character to be free. But at the same time, you're just like, God damn, dude, like, Jesus, do, like, Jesus, do it for yourself. Like, don't do it for anyone else. Yeah. Even with Denzel Washington's character being basically told, like, yeah, you, yeah, we'll let you out. I was like, they're going to fuck him over. Like, come on. <laughs> Oh, oh, <laughs> I, like, oh I, man, like, I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't remember how this movie ends, but I think they're going to fuck him over. <laughs> you can't trust the dude who yelled at the guy in network. He, he's a dick. You can't trust you can't, Ned Beatty. You can't trust Ned Beatty, man. It is a great five minute Ned Beatty performance, though. Oh, man, when he pops up back at the end, I was like, fuck, yeah, more Ned Beatty. Nobody has ever said that outside of you, maybe. Fuck yeah, more Ned Beatty. Except for maybe Mrs. Beatty. 
Ned Beatty, dearly departed Ned Beatty, is among my favorite American actors. <laughs> oh, he's incredible. Like, he, the dude The dude is, not to use basketball terms, but he shows up, he puts, like, six points on the board, and then goes and sits back down. Anytime he shows up in any movie, I'm just like, this movie just got so much better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to put your mind at ease, yes, Gregory Sierra was also put in for deep cover as uh, Shit Heel March Madness. So I think what we're going to do next year is one of the episodes in March. We're just going to do like a 68 bracket episode where you and I are just going to for every like for like maybe like two minutes each. We're going to have two people. We're going to talk about the two people for two minutes and then just decide a winner and then just break it down to like the final two. And that'll be the first ever March Madness winner of Shit Heel Mount Rushmore. Hell yeah, that sounds great. I've still got, I've still got to work on it, but like we got to put up the brackets. I got to figure that. Out. But yeah, it's coming together because there's going to be some on here that you've forgotten about, and they're only movies that have been double features. No Mount Rushmores, no specials, like only double features. That sounds great. I'm. It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. I think. So, the premise of this movie is ridiculous, right? It is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But that all aside, I'll say this. If Spike Lee has been sitting at Nick Games his whole life to in order to make this movie, he was paying attention and it paid off. This is one of the best looking basketball movies I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. He gets like the intensity of basketball. He really understands the vibe of a basketball game. Just like the emotional intensity. Yeah, Along with he does. Physical intensity. That doesn't hurt that he has Ray Allen play the son. You know, Ray Allen. Ray Allen's good in this. He actually is. He actually, like, I was going to say, like, a lot for a lot of movies that involve people who play sports who are in movies, like, where it doesn't work, this works. Ray Allen's actually really good. It's because he doesn't ask too much of him. No, like, Ray Allen, he's just like, hey, be good at basketball and also be brooding. Great performance. I'd also like to point out. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite. Can I point out my favorite performance in this? Yeah, go right ahead. Bill Nunn. As Uncle Bubba. <laughs> what is Absolutely Bill Nunn from? Bill Nunn is Radio Rahim. Is that fucking Bill Nunn? Yeah. Jesus Christ, they ugged him up. They did. He's he, so they, he's, weird. he's in a Medea movie. He's like doing he's doing like straight comedy. It's fucking hilarious. I mean you know, and I, I, I guess I should ask this as well, just so we can so we can get this out of the way as well. Are we also now a sub Roger Guinevere Smith podcast as well? Because he shows up yes. as well. <laughs> he pops up. He pops up. He has one scene. He has, has a he does a monologue, <laughs> but he fucking crushes it, though. Oh, he bodies it. Yeah, no, it's it's great. He's the perfect example of everybody wanting something from Ray Allen's character. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Jesus Shuttlesworth. What a fucking name. I told her that on Friday. I go, yeah, this guy's name is Jesus Shuttlesworth. She goes, you're making up names at this point. I love that Denzel gives him, like, a whole backstory. It's like, no, like, there was this guy. He, like, he, 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 like, he was a god of a... Uh, Earl the Pearl. Of, uh, of the, yeah, and his, 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 his nickname was Jesus. And then once he started playing in the NBA, they called him Black Jesus. Cause, yeah. Uh, no black person could be seen as Jesus. And I was just like, oh, that's fucking, that's dope. I was like, oh, that, you got me, Spike. Oh, oh, Spike, you got me again. 
Fuck, that is Bill Nunn. They just, they must have, like, because he was, like, he was still, like, in shape at that, but, like, or, like, not in shape, but, like, he was still, like, cut, but the way they make him look in that movie, he looks like an uncle. That's an impressive performance. You know, and do the right thing. He's shot from the bottom up. Like, he's he, he oh, shot yeah. to made, made to look bigger than he is. And he's a big, he's a big fucking dude. So this movie, uh, he, he's almost, like, they have to shoot him from above. And also, he's, they put him next to Ray Allen, who is much taller. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I'll say it. So um, the premise of this movie, guys, is Denzel's in prison for accidentally murdering his wife. The warden comes to him and says, hey, the governor of this state really wants your son to go play for his alma mater. If you can get him to do it, we will get you out of prison early. And it's kind of a ticking clock movie. I mean, it's ridiculous. This would never happen. But once again, as Tyler once said, it's a movie, Ben. What do you want? So it's kind of a ticking clock to get him to be convinced to go to this Big Ten school, whereas like everyone else is bombarding Jesus Shuttlesworth with multiple other offers. His girl is asking him to meet with a guy and maybe just go straight pro. His uncle is like, you should do this because they'll give me a car. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> Uncle being like, it's your car, but it's in my name. <laughs> I just fucking like, come on. This movie's, it's so funny. It is, but it's also an amazing examination on the way high school to college athletes are profiled. And also like there's a seduction factor to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I think is um, incredible about this movie is it's just it's made in a time when you could go straight pro. It wasn't directly after this. It wasn't until I think the mid-2000s where the NBA like closed that loophole. But like the pressure to pick what's right, to like go to school or to like jump straight or like all of these people wanting something from you. Like this movie gets that. It really does. Like especially like just how much pressure there is on him like to make a decision and everything. And also... Two, it's an amazing movie about reconciliation, like with one's parent, like mm -hmm. the amount of despise or disdain Ray Allen has for Denzel's character throughout the movie up till a point is so great. And when you get to that final game between them, it's incredible. Like it's been building for two hours. You knew that was coming for two hours. Every movie should have a one on one, you know? Just at some point in it. Just at some point, they should just play. And one you don't on one necessarily basketball. mean one-on-one -on -one basketball. You just mean like one-on-one -on -one between two people. It's the tête-à-tête, -tête, yeah. And you know, it's another great touch of it is is like so. Let's just say like Denzel probably went into prison. Like, well, he has a 15-year sentence. He went in. He's been in for five. So let's say the movie actually takes place in 98. So he's like, no, he would have had to have been in there longer because Ray Allen's character is much older than that. Right? Because Ray Allen's character is supposed to be like, what, probably 17? Yeah. 17, probably like 18. 12 when he goes in. He is 12 when he goes in. So, yeah, it's been like five years. I love that kind of, t it, like, one of the things Spike Lee does well is he shows that time stops when you go inside. Because, like, look at the way his hair is. Look at the way he dresses. The fact that he immediately goes out and buys Jordans. <laughs> hey, Jordans would have been... The shit. Oh no, they were. Oh, they were popular for sure. But like, just like, kind of like following sa the same trends as like at another time. Like, just like it's it's just like you can tell like there's almost an arrested development to Denzel's character. 
I love the little montage in the middle of it where it like goes through a bunch of different basketball players and ends on Michael Jordan saying he got game. And I was like, Spike, you motherfucker. Don't ruin the clip we're going to come in from, probably. Oh, don't okay. don't, don't, don't ruin that. that. No, it's fine. I'm kidding. No, that's you did that last week, actually, too. And I didn't even realize it. I was listening through the clip as I added in. And then I went into it. And you're like, you know what my favorite scene is? The scene where they play slap hands. And I was like, well, son of a bitch, that's the clip we're using for deep cover. I'll be damned. But yeah, that's an amazing sequence, that ESPN kind of run. But I mean... You know, we haven't even talked about. There is a whole subplot where Denzel Washington befriends a prostitute played by Mila Djokovic. It is definitely a part of this movie. That is. It might not work all the time, but I'll say this. It's kind of fascinating. It's nice to give Mila Djokovic some dramatic acting. And she's, she's good, good at it. She's good. Yeah. It is definitely a very hokey scene, but, you know. I mean, there's a couple good. of scenes with her. There's a couple of scenes with her. Yeah. I would say that, like, that whole subplot, I would get rid of. But that's just me. You could trim the movie down to an hour 45, but you can tell this is Spike, like, being like, I might never do another movie about basketball. I'm going to try to squeeze as much into this as I want. It's also another example, too, that Rosario Dawson had the goods from an early age. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the first Rosario Dawson performance where it's like, oh, she's got the goods. I would say that's probably kids a terrible movie made by terrible people that's only three years before this but yeah that's it that this is her third this is her second major movie but like yeah no kids is kids is the first time where you're like holy shit who's that but then you see he got game and you're like oh okay yeah, she's had a weird career she's never quite been as big as i thought she was gonna be she should have been bigger I forget she reteams with Spike in 25th Hour. She's amazing in that movie. 25th Hour is a great movie. And is in the aforementioned Alexandria. <laughs> is this going to be your new thing where you just call it Alexandria from now on? Bringing it back, baby. Works for me. Yeah, I'm looking at her career and I'm like, man, you should have had more. She's in a fucking Tarantino movie. Like, the woman has worked with, like, great filmmakers. I forget that she's in that movie. You know what else I forget she's in? Unstoppable. She's the fucking voice on the train that's talking to him. I'm sorry, Dawson. Better than she's given credit for. I completely agree. You're better than doing that Go Big Show show. Ooh. Wait, you think that shot's fired for me? It's not. She's better than that. Does that have Big Show on it? No. No, the Go Why Big is it Show is... That? It's called the Go Big Show because the premise of it is is like you have to like some sort of performative thing for the judges and it's like a stunt show. It's like Um, America's Got Talent, but like you got to go big. Ah, okay. Cody Rhodes? Yes, he's one of the other T-Pain? What the fuck is this? You've never heard of this show? Hosted by Burt Kreishner? Yeah. What the fuck is what? Oh yeah, this is a real show. All right. Well, it's bad. Well, it's the yeah. Go Big Show show. I'll say this. Now that, now that Cody has jumped ship to WWE, hopefully they're going to... I'll tell you this, too. I found it very interesting. They went from having every promo for Go Big Show have Cody very f- prominently featured, to The only time you see him is when you see all four judges in one shot. I honestly think they're going to replace him in a season because Snoop Dogg was on before T-Pain. 
before it was Snoop Dogg, Jennifer Nettles, Cody Rhodes, and Rosario Dawson. Now it's Cody Rhodes, T-Pain, Jennifer Nettles, and Rosario Dawson. I think Cody's going to get the boot. And my theory is you bring in the big show. <laughs> but he's Paul White. Well, no, and that's just the joke the whole time. Are you ready to um, go, big show? And he's like, he goes, I am. Motherfucker. Here's what I think. Cody Rhodes, that whole thing. Is you think it's a work? You think it's a work? It's a work. Really? I don't know. I'm curious. I mean, I would love that. I would love if he was like, hell no, I'm not going anywhere. He goes, I bleed black and gold. He goes, I will never go back there. Why the fuck would he go back to WWE? <laughs> like, it doesn't because make any sense. A, can I tell you why? Because it's why? a huge acquisition for them. Yeah, but like, they're just going to fuck him over again. Oh, yeah, of course they are. But he's going to make a lot of money doing it. And honestly, dude, I, the rub on the story is is Cody wanted to control his character in terms of the story. And he also wanted like CM Punk money. And Tony Khan was like, no, to both of those. I think it's I think it's worth you don't believe it. I love your brain and your idea with this. I would love it if like they were like, there are six men qualified for the face of the revolution ladder match. And only one more is going to be named and he'll be named when it comes out on Sunday. And then his music just hits his number seven. And you're just like, fuck you guys. Like, people would be so fucking annoyed. Yeah, no, I would love it if he just did, like, an outsider gimmick or, like, I don't know. I think he's going to come back because it doesn't make it. I don't know. My brain just, it doesn't make sense for the person who started the company <laughs> to fucking be like, well, I guess I'm leaving. Like, you know. Okay, I'm going. Taking off. See ya. Bye. I think all of that stuff coming out of like, oh, he wanted more money, he wanted to control his you character. You think this is all part of it? I think, yeah, no, I think he comes back as a giant fucking heel. He already is a heel. That's that's what Nathan said about it. By the way, I hope this works out with you and Naomi being able to come because you'll get to meet Nathan. And I really think you two would get on like fucking a house on fire. I think he comes back. I think he comes back as a bigger heel. And I think it's he already of, is. That's the thing. I, I don't think Cody thinks he's a heel. That's the thing. Cody doesn't think he's a heel. But by doing this, he can get into that heel headspace. It's true. You know who also isn't a heel on AEW? Rosario Dawson for the one episode <laughs> she's on AEW. And we're back to He Got Game. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be Denzel Washington. No, no, he was never on AEW. That'd be amazing if Denzel was just showed up for an episode of AEW. He's like, I love the show. He goes, they make me laugh. He just shows up and he's just like a tweener. Is that Oscar winner Denzel Washington? Just Denzel comes in and helps Hook for some reason. You're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, how'd they get Denzel? <laughs> I always just love Denzel Washington to show up and hit just like a diamond cutter on MJF. And you're just like, what is happening? Am I having a stroke? It's called the Denzel cutter. <laughs> What else do we got to talk about for He Got Game? I think the movie's kind of like a little bit of a mess. That's kind in, of in, why I like it, though. That, no, no, no. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying in that no, kind no, of like that shaggy dog kind of way that Spike Lee movies can kind of be a mess where you're just like, there's a lot of beauty and poetry in this, but like also like, yeah, I don't know, it's a little long. <laughs> well, it's weird. A lot of his movies, and you know, I think when we eventually get to our Mount Rushmore for Spike, and I feel like it's going to unlock when I've seen all of them, Every one of his movies plays a certain way. You have the thing that you have to start with. You have the central plot and like kind of the execution of what's going on. 
And then there's like 10 to 15 minutes at the end of every one of his movies where it almost feels like Spike should just come out, sit down with you and go, what did we learn here? Because every one of them does it. Kind of. What I like about this movie is I, I think this movie, there's definitely like moralizing in it, but it doesn't ever judge the characters. For sure. I don't know. I really like this movie, but I think I need like another watch to really have it click for me this is the second time i've watched it and like it's been about 10 years in between them but i think like like i said i am gonna go back and watch this again like even though i think we're within the next calendar year we will do spike on the mount rushmore i honestly think this will be rewatched again just to be like because i'll be honest i really enjoyed this as a spike lee movie the first time i watched this i didn't gel with it as much but i'm a little into basketball a little more and i like it a little more so I don't know. And I, like I said, I think it's my favorite Denzel performance he's given with him. Yeah, I think the more I watch Denzel, the more I'm like, I could watch every single one of this guy's movies. He is a guy who just consistently brings the goods. And you're like, even in movies where like the movie isn't quite good, you're like, well, I can't fault Denzel. He's doing exactly what he needs to be doing. Yeah, even in John Q, which is like fine. He's incredible. Remind me, he's going to bury his son, right? I will not bury my son. son's gonna bury him. oh right his son's gonna bury him yeah. that that's how it goes i don't remember man i <laughs> you want to get paid you do the line <laughs> say the line fart you want you want to get paid in vhs tapes you'll do the line i didn't do it yay <laughs> bill nunn with alexis fucking is so funny I just want to wet my how beak. happy he is where he's just like, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then Ray Allen's like, give he, it back. And he's like, come on. <laughs> he's like, he can't do me like this. And he's like, no, you have to give it back. They will fucking throw me out, <laughs> which it's true. It's fucking true. Like there are two movies that I think you're going to pair this with that are the only two movies that should be paired with this. And at one point it was only one, but I, for me, honestly, my favorite's the ending game between him and him and Denzel. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, too. The other reason I find Denzel so captivating in this movie is Denzel, for once in a movie, someone finally portrays the concept of what it's like to be a real man in a movie. The fact that he lasts like 14 seconds with Mila Djokovic because he's been like pent up for so long in a place where like things like that are not normal. And like just the idea of being around someone new for the first time, I'm like, that's accurate. That's fucking good acting right there. I knew like that scene between them is so what's that? I knew you were going to bring this up. Yeah. When he just, when he just paints the inside of those pants, like it's the Sistine Chapel and she's like, it's okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. Sorry. No, sorry. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have seen like a seven minute sex scene between them. Like that would have been great. Cause you know, I'll say it again. It fucked up that Denzel never got to have that scene Pelican brief and they forced him to cut it. I think that's bullshit. What's the story of the Pelican Brief? I, I always heard that Denzel there was didn't apparently a very like sensual and decently long sex scene between him and Julia Roberts, but people came to him and were like, "You should cut this, dude. Your audience is like certain amount this, certain amount this, but a major portion of your audience is black women, and they will yeah, not that's, appreciate that's, this." Yeah, that's what I heard too. Yeah, but it's like I don't even think like, it ever got to filming. I think Denzel. Was oh, like, I've heard no. it was on the cutting room floor, but maybe I'm wrong. 
Yeah, I, I think I thought Denzel was like, no. And I think I remember there was an interview where it was with Julia Roberts and she was like, no, I was game. No, I, I wanted to have that. 16. She's like, no, I wanted to fuck him on camera. She was like, I was going to fuck him in front of Lyle Lovett. That was going to be my anniversary gift to him. <laughs> it's weird. Julia Roberts was married to Lyle Lovett. Disgusting. Terrible time. What a terrible timeline we were in. I mean, you, you really think it's better now? Is is that what I'm hearing? But hey, never forget, Lyle Lovett was in Shortcuts. Lyle Lovett definitely was an actor for a period of time. It is true. What would you pair this with? You already know where I'm going with this. I mean, there's two. Everybody say it with me. We're going to pair this with Hoop Dreams. Not the two I was thinking. What were the two that you were thinking? I was thinking you would pair this with Blue Chips. Oh, yeah, Blue Chips or Larry Clark. Oh, no, still, still no. But it, weirdly, all outside of Hoop Dreams, all of these movies have been done for March Madness. High Flying Bird. Ah, High Flying Bird's a good one. Yeah, no, Hoop Dreams, I think you kind of get the, you, you'll get the, the sense of Jesus Shuttleworth's, like, plight and how people around him, people like him, got taken advantage I still have yet to see it. Hoop Dreams? Still, I've never seen it. It's just, I think it's because it's that long, but one of these days. It's long and also fucking depressing. We'll say this. For next March Madness, uh, you'll be able to pick the March Madness movie, so you can you can pick that one if you like. We can finally, we can finally watch Hoop Dreams, yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> we'll put that and the last dance together. Welcome to 12 hours. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? God, that would be fucking frustrating. I'd be like, I do want to watch The Last Dance again, but I don't want to watch all of this again. Well, I guess that leads me to ask the question of who would you recommend this to? Oh, I would recommend this for, I think, people who who maybe haven't seen this era of spike lee kind of want to get into the like the middle period and also people who really like basketball and haven't seen it yet i can appreciate that as well what do you give he got game mm, that's interesting i think i gave he got game i think i also give it i think because i talked to, talking to you about it has kind of helped me uh, see some light in it, or the night than I did when it when it when it first came out. I I'm gonna give it a solid four stars. I'm gonna give it four stars. I'm going like four and a quarter, and I honestly think it might have room to grow. Most movie, some movies, I think you once you rate them, you're like, yeah, that's where that's gonna stand for all time. But I don't know. There's something about this movie that I kind of love how it doesn't really have a like the whole movie hinges on what he's gonna say at the end. And, like, it's kind of irrelevant how you get there because you know he's going to make a choice eventually. You just kind of get to enjoy the ride. Mm -hmm. As you say, it's a vibes movie. It is a vibes movie. But some of those vibes are bad. A lot of the vibes are bad. You know when they're not bad? <laughs> when Bill Nunn is driving in that Lexus and then none of the when vibes Bill... are bad. <laughs> when Bill Nunn is on screen, none of the vibes are bad. I'll say this. If somehow everyone in He Got Game who is not Jesus Shuttlesworth wins shit heel march madness bill nunn will accept the trophy so just so you know you can you can have that one here's the thing okay i got a question for you i got a question for you sure 
Who do you think would win in a one-on-one straight-up game? Denzel Washington's character from this, Jake Shuttlesworth, or either, and I'll let you pick either of them, Billy Hoyle or Sidney Dean from White Man Can't Jump. I think it's irrelevant if you pick either of them. I think it's I think it's honestly Denzel's character. Yeah, I think Denzel wins. Yeah, I think Denzel was almost good enough at one point to maybe go pro, but just something kind of stumbled in his way. Maybe having kids stumbled in his way, honestly. And like, not that that didn't create Ray Allen's character, but like, I think that's what kind of crossed him up, unfortunately. But yeah, I, th- I think he's just got this almost like preternatural drive in him. And it's weird, too. It's also a movie about like fathers kind of being coaches as well. Yeah, um, I, I think it's him. That's a great question, actually. Yeah, nice use of a uh, nice use of the basketball lingo. Got crossed Which up. one? You got crossed up. Oh yeah, that is a term. In, I forgot that's a term in basketball. That takes us out of it. What are we doing next week? Ah, uh, next. Well, you you're the one that has the 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 spreadsheet in front of you. Oh, I do. You're right. Hold on. You're hold giving on. it. You're giving it to my, me, Ben. Let me run my finger down here. Well, I'm gonna pr- try to pronounce this the best way I can. Wuxia. What 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 is Wuxia? Wuxia is a type of Chinese film genre based on fantasy and old Chinese martial heroes. Um, that's what it literally translates into. So I, for people who don't know what this is, it'd be like Journey to the West or Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is a Wuxia film. And so I am going to choose two Wuxia films and I'm going to choose some classics. I'm going to choose from 1967, the King Who film Dragon Inn. And the second film we're going to be doing is from 1972 and is directed by Chor Yen, starring Lily Ho. Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan. Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan? Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan. I wanted to do a classic Shaw Brothers film um, so we can talk about the Shaw Brothers and their production company. And I also didn't want to pick anything that was uh, longer than 90 minutes. So... Well, uh, bless you. Yes. And I also think this one is readily available. More readily available than a lot of the other ones. So, um, I'm sure I can. I'm, I'm sure it's available for purchase somewhere. If not, yeah, I'm sure it's available for purchase somewhere. If not, winky winky. Interesting. Okay. So for next week... We've got Dragon Inn and Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan. I don't know anything about either of these movies, but I will say I do like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So if those movies are like that, I I should have a good time. Ben, you've seen a couple of Wuxia films. You've seen Eight Diagram, Pole Fighter. That is a Wuxia movie, isn't it? Yeah. You might have seen Last of Us for Chivalry, the John Woo film. I don't think I have seen that one. Well, you know. They're good movies, and I wanted to do this because we were getting into Hong Kong action, and what's a better staple of Hong Kong action than Wuxia? It's true. I have seen one of the most annoying Wuxia movies of all time, Ashes of Time Redux. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing fucking happens in that movie. I tried. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? There's brooding. Yeah, Congrats. congrats. They brood at one another. Okay, 60s and 70s. I do like this time period in Chinese cinema. Yeah. Ooh, Lily Ho's adorable. All right. 
No, no, she is. Like, she's very pretty. Like, she's just got beautiful eyes. Wild. All right. Well, for next week, some Luxia movies, guys. And you can follow all of our stuff at TWGTF Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at ET Critic for the Empty Theater Critic. Tyler, is there any way that can follow you? Uh, they can follow me to a basketball court in either Watts or in the Brooklyn. Yeah, stay out of Crenshaw after dark. That's my advice. And for TWGTF, Two White Guys Talking Film, I've, of course, been your host, Ben. And I've been a white guy that can't jump. And remember, guys, if you come to our little video box around the way and you see Tyler trying to dunk on that basketball, well, he's trying. And that's the most important thing in basketball, is trying. You are so stupid. It would take your mother one, no, two hours to watch 60 Minutes. Talking, 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 talking film. Everybody look what's going down
Are you ready for the real revolution, which is the evolution of the mind? If you seek, then you shall find that we all come from the divine. You dig what I'm saying? Now, if you take heed to the words of wisdom that are written on the walls of life, then universally we will stand and divide we will fall because love conquers all. You understand what I'm saying? This is a call to all you sleeping souls. Wake up and take control of your own cipher and be on the lookout for the spirit sniper trying to steal your life. You know what I'm saying? Look what decides yourself for peace. Give thanks, live life, and release. You dig me? You got me? I understand you have to let me go. <laughs> You're about to lose this company. $972 million. I cry a lot lately. Tale of four pictures. Because she was giving me guff about licorice pizza being about underage love. And then the other night we put on... Oh, what's that fucking Cameron Crowe movie? Almost Famous? That's exactly it. So I made this and sent it to her this morning. And she's like... Because she found out that someone in that movie is a little underage as well. Yeah, the main character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She didn't know. She's like, I thought she was 19. I'm like, ah, oh, no, I'm pretty sure they just said 16 right there. She goes, damn it. And I go, yeah, no, enjoy. He, he, like, graduates high school early. Like, that's, like, the opening plot point. Well, maybe that's from the extended version. But, like, that's, like, a big thing in the movie. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Penny Lane. <laughs> oh, yeah. He also deeply underage. Oh. It- isn't he supposed to be, like, 15 or something in that movie? He's underage for sure, but she's, like, 16 as well. 70s were bad times. They were certainly a lot less liberal on the, um, on the, what do you call it? There was, um, I mean, yeah, they were a lot more liberal. Almost Famous is... It's kind of a trash wild. movie, isn't it? It's wild that that movie was, like, so popular. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too. You're just like, eh. I like it. Yeah, it's fine, but it's like, it's by no means like, I don't think it's good. I like the. Uh, I, I don't know. Well. I think. I I think it's probably the last Cameron Crowe vehicle that is interesting for good reasons and not interesting for bad reasons. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think I saw the real first example of it being being bad for bad reasons. Did you ever see a little movie called Elizabeth Town? Elizabeth Town's real bad. Dude, I saw that in theaters with my buddy Nathan. And I remember we got up and walked out and I said, what do you think? He goes, well, I think it has now replaced the movie Hide and Seek as the worst movie you and I have ever seen in theaters together. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. Hide and Seek. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. If you want to watch a movie where Robert De Niro sleepwalks through a performance, that is hide and seek. I mean, Robert De Niro and Dakota Fanning sleepwalk through that performance. I don't but even not so Dakota much Fanning? blame her. It is Dakota Fanning. I don't even so much blame her. I like she's young, but it's like De Niro, you're better than this. Like, wake the fuck up and do something. It's you such, were Max Katie. It's such a sleepy movie, regardless. Like, it's Ugh. one of those like mid two thousands. Like it just feels like everybody is in a in a coma. (laughs) It's just so 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 sleepy. Yeah, 
It really, really is. It's it's not good by any means. Uh, but yeah, Elizabethtown. Going back to dunk on that. That movie fucking sucks. Oh, it does. I, like I I hate Elizabethtown. You know, too, it's like you sit there and you're like, could that movie have been made better if it was anybody but Orlando Bloom? Probably. Yeah, you got to wonder if he's the biggest problem with it. If it's you're I, just like, you're not a leading man. Well, and I also like Orlando Bloom. I just don't think he's right for that part, like, at all. What is a good Orlando Bloom movie, if you say you um, like him? I think he's really good in the Pirates movies. I know that's a cop-out, because it's not, like, a leading man performance. He's good in the Lord of the Rings movies, which I think is what sort of broke him oh yeah i also think he has like a small he has an episode in the tv show love really i think the joe swanberg netflix show and he's good in that i mean like pretty much everybody in that show hard beat for me to give joe swanberg props a filmmaker i really don't like but that show is that's just great yeah and he's really good in it Aside from that, I don't really think I've seen much Orlando Bloom. He's but... terrible in Troy. I mean, if we're, if we're just throwing I mean, out names. But, like, fucking everybody is bad in Troy. No, Brad Pitt rules in Troy. Okay, everybody else is bad in Troy. <laughs> what, you're not going to give Brian Cox his props? You're not, you're not going to let him? I like Brian Cox. Troy is not a movie where people are, like, going to be good in. No. You know what I mean? No, no, like... I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah, no, Troy. Bad, bad movie. Troy's a bad movie. Troy's, there Troy's was just a... a run. There was just a run of really bad movies, like in the sword and sandals genre. Not even sword and sandals genre. There was just like a bunch of movies, like in the two thousands, that were like you know, and Elizabethtown weirdly fits into this too, where were movies where if like you would either just tweaked a couple things and like maybe up to the rating from like a PG thirteen to an R you would have had something. Like, Troy suffers because it's PG-13. That's one of the hugest mm. detriments mm-hmm. to that movie. What's so interesting is I think there's all those, like, epics like Troy and, like, Alexandria that came out before 300, and yet no one cares or knows about them. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, Tyler, come on, dude. It's 2022. I understand Colin Farrell didn't do a good job in that movie, but calling him Alexandria, that's, that's pretty inappropriate. <laughs> Is it Alexander? It's Alexander. He just said Alexander. I just thought it was very funny. Okay. Well. Way to go, Alexander. It's like, that's not my name. It's Colin Farrell. It's like, I'll call you whatever I want. Show me your robot movie from this year. Oh, yeah. After Yang. I'm so excited. Me too. Very excited for After Yang in some ways. We should have done a uh, what we're looking forward to episode, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm way too lazy. Fuck it. I'm tired. I'm just gonna go shoot free throws. I don't. Yeah. I'm just gonna. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. There it is. Back. Yeah. We got into it somehow. <laughs>